This is who you were. This is who he is. This is who you are now. This is your identity. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our final week in our series in the book of Joel. Before we get to a little recap of what we've covered over the last two weeks, I want to ask you a question. If you could be known by anybody and know them fully in return, who would it be? Isn't that a loaded question (laughs) to start things off? If you weren't groggy when you turned this on, you probably are a little bit now. The reality is, is there's a lot of people in this world who are famous, who seem like somebody you would really want to get to know, but once you start digging underneath the surface, they're just like us. In fact, there is not a single person in this world who we could get to know and wouldn't leave kind of disappointed at some level, because people are people. You and I are no better, right? So today, I just want to close this time down together by just establishing the beauty of who God is. God knows you fully. All of you, wrinkles, discrepancies, failures, your arrogance, you name it, God knows it. But yet, he absolutely loves you. And what's even more beautiful is he wants to be known by you. He wants you to know him as he knows you fully, intimately, passionately. And so with that, let's get back to where we're at right now. We're going to do a little recap, very short, not going to take very long. And then we're going to dig into today's text. And by the end of it, I'm hoping that you will have one step closer to fully knowing God in your journey with him. And so let's take a look once again, where have we been? Well, right away, we established God's purpose for Israel. Ultimately, his original purpose for Israel, going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, was so that they could portray the goodness of God to all creation. They were to be his kind of reflection, his mirror to the world on who he was, his attributes, his holiness, his beauty, his power. All his goodness was going to be wrapped up with them. Of course, they had failed. And in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, you read a lot of their just depravity, how far they had fallen from God's plan. In fact, they were more depraved than the countries around them. And so God looked down, and in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we read last week, he had enough, and he cried out to them as he saw the, the grasshoppers or the army that was about to attack them. It was imminent. It was on the horizon. In fact, part of the wall was already down. Things were happening. It looked imminent, that destruction was going to fall upon Israel, potentially, for good. 
Ten tribes had already been taken out into captivity. Nothing was left of the other ten tribes. There was just Judah and just a very small remnant of Benjamin left. That was it. And they all were pretty much confined to Jerusalem, the holy city of God. You look down in that verse, where it says, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. The Lord says, turn to me now, even in the midst of imminent destruction, while there's still time. There's still time. Even though it looks like there's not, there's still time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. And what was so cool about this particular story, God relented, and he took back that anger that was upon his country, his people. And for a season, they were back in peace. For a season, they were back in right relationship with God, portraying the goodness of God to all the people around them. They were restored, fully restored to their original purpose. But as you well know, ultimately, they rejected God again. And semi-permanently, when Jesus came, they turned their back fully on God and said, no, we will not have your Messiah. We will not believe he is truly God. And then Paul puts it so perfectly in Romans 11.25, this temporary time of judgment on Israel and this new covenant, this new way of being right with God through each and every person. This is how he put it. A partial and temporary hardening to the gospel has come over Israel. This good news that Jesus is the Messiah and the way to God. This will last until a full number of non-Jews has come into the family. We now have the opportunity to be known by God and to know God just like they did. That opportunity is sitting, waiting for you and I. And so that's kind of where we left off in the last two weeks. We have now that opportunity to repent, to turn from our ways and turn to God and be fully welcomed into his family, to be restored to the original intent that God had for Adam and Eve in the garden is now for us as well, to be known and to know God. But, of course, we're not done with the book of Joel because God ultimately has a plan for his people, Israel. And so Joel looks out into a time far away. We don't know the time, but at the time of this writing, this was a long ways away, right? He looked out. And though there would be a season where, where God allowed a little bit of freedom and is still kind of today, there's still a hardening on that. And so this is looking way out to the time when Jesus will come back and he will restore things with Israel. And so listen to this. Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Yes, in those days and at that time. Now again, this is looking back into 
previous chapter when he was talking about a time when the young men would dream dreams and the old men would see visions and there would be this beautiful restoration of God to all of his people. He refers to that in those days, at that time, what we're living in right now, when the Holy Spirit is given for all people to be saved, all people, listen to this. In those days, Joel is writing, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, the tribe is Judah, right? That is the chosen tribe that is left. Jerusalem is his city where his presence dwelt. I will restore the fortunes, the blessings, the favor upon them. I will gather all the nations and take them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment with them there because of my people, my inheritance, Israel. The nations have scattered the Israelites in foreign countries and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and they bartered a boy for a prostitute and sold a girl for wine to drink. And he goes into this long progression, a procession of all these different countries and different people groups. But I just want to stop right there. Now there's a lot of people that are for Israel. I'm not against Israel, right? There's nothing wrong with being for Israel and supporting them and believing in them because they are God's chosen people. And we should love them. We should welcome them. We should never do anything like what the Nazis did back in the day. But ultimately, we are for them. We love them. But we're not responsible for fighting for them. God will fight for them. Our responsibility is to love them, welcome them, and do whatever we can. But God will fight for their land and restore it. God. They must turn to God. Not to until he calls them to it, it's not a time for fighting. Now, I'm not trying to be political or do anything like that, but this is what God's word says. He will restore when it's time. Then we come behind him, and just like we will read in just a moment, we will fight alongside with him. Right? He is the general. He is the one who fights, right? And when he fights, a lot of times we'll be sitting there with our, our sickle and our, our, our shovel in hand ready for war because that's all we got. We're going to fight for him. And all we do is sit there and we're ready for war and we don't do anything but watch. Ready, prepared. And if he calls, we do it. We'll fight with whatever we have. But ultimately, we follow him. He's the one who goes before us. That's a biblical word, one that we follow him. God still loves his people. He wants to restore his people. Paul adds to this in Romans. I want to read this full passage for you, just not verse 25 like I did before, but Romans 11, 25 through 31. And 
this is so, it's God, right? This is God's doing. We can't be the ones who are doing it. He's the one who's doing it. He's the one who calls us to it. When it's time, we, we follow. So verse 25 of Romans 11. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters. Like you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel, there are enemies for your advantage. But regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarchs. Since God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. As you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy through their disobedience, so they too have now disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you, so that they also may now receive mercy. Their day will come. He will fight. Verse 11 in Joel 3 puts it this way. Come quickly, all you surrounding nations. Gather yourselves. Bring down your warriors there, Lord. Let all the nations be roused and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit down to judge the surrounding nations. Swing the sickle because the harvest is ripe. Come and trample the grapes because the wine press is full. The wine vats overflow because the wickedness of the nations is extreme. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will cease their shining. The Lord will roar from Zion and make his voice heard from Jerusalem. Heaven and earth will shake. God's going to fight for Israel when his time comes. He will fight. He will restore. They won't. We will for them. He He We come alongside him and fight and do what he asks. He will fight for And listen, in the middle of this war against the people who have absolutely gone against him and fought against his people, listen to what he's going to do. That the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the Israelites. God will once again restore the land. Here's what's beautiful. Listen to this last verse. Then you will know that I, the Lord, your God, Not only to know his people, he knows them, right? It's very clear. But he also wants them to fully know him. And that promise is just as much for them as it is for us. Listen to what scripture says in regards to God knowing us. Psalm 139, 1 through 5 says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand on me. God knows you. He knows everything about you. But he still loves you. While you were still enemies, Christ died for you. God knows you. And most importantly, you know him. Not just partially, but fully. You can know him. Psalm 145, 18 puts it this way. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him. James put it this way in 4.8. He said, draw near to him, and he shall draw to you. You can know God. You can know God personally, intimately. And when you do, just like the Israelites, he will be your refuge, a place of safety. He will be your protection, your stronghold. He'll be with you. He will fight for you. He will surround you. This God, this God so desires for you, for you to come to him fully and say, I take myself off the throne. I take my desires, my, my, my passions and, and, and everything about me. I'm going to stop fighting and I'm going to let you fight and I'm just going to come to you, lay my burdens down. Let you take control. Oswald Chambers so beautifully said, Jesus Christ became incarnate for one purpose. He came to earth. He was at the right hand of God. He was in perfect communion with God. He broke that and came down to earth to experience everything that we experience. He came down to earth for one purpose, Oswald said. To make a way back to God. That man might stand before him as he was created to do. The friend and lover of God himself. Jesus came to earth for one reason. To make a way for you to stand before God. Fully known. Will you surrender all of yourself before him today? Giving him complete authority over you. You will find no greater place than to be in his presence. Both now on earth and for all of eternity. Father, I pray for every person today. As we come to a close in this series. God, you so desire for them to run to you right now. God, will you do that? Will you open up your arms? Welcome them fully. Work in their hearts. God, just like you needed to do to Israel to soften their hearts to receive you, pray you would do that same thing to each and every listener right now. Open up their ears so they can hear. Open up their hearts so that they can fully feel the love of Jesus. 
and open up their will. I'll open up the will so they fully give you control over their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this week, Nexus Church Family Online. I look forward to next week when we begin a new series looking at a fox and how you can find victory as well in this world. See you then.